Well, it was the message of Martin Luther King to be a voice of unity, a voice of reconciliation, a voice of love across racial boundaries. And that common table speaks of two things. Number one, it speaks of the fact that, how I many know, we should be able to love people that are different from us wherever we are. I am so glad to be a part of a church that's a multi-ethnic church, a multi-racial church. It's very deliberate. It's very much by design. It's a recognition in the book of Galatians that says in Christ, there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, but you're all what? You're one in Jesus Christ. Now, certainly that hearkens to the communion table where we share communion together irrespective of our race. But what it speaks of is it speaks of something that the world cannot do. How many know that the world cannot unite us in love? It's impossible. I mean, they're legislating. They're trying to redo the founding of America. They're trying to attack certain races. But you can't bring equality and love that way. How many know equality and love comes by the change that Christ brings in our heart? And guess what we do? We love our neighbor as ourselves. Guess what we do when Jesus Christ changes our life? We follow his example. The second great commandment is to love, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus even told us as followers of Christ, just as I have loved you, so you're to love one another. It's one of the great commandments in the Bible. And I am honored to pastor a church where everyone is welcome. Whether it's the color of your skin, your racial economic situation, whatever the differences are, how many know we are one in the body of Christ? Jesus is worthy of our praise, and we applaud anyone that's a uniter across the world. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today as we celebrate the life of Dr. Martin Luther King. Once you look in your Bibles today, actually, as you are turning in your Bibles, we're going to go to Hebrews 11. But I want to share a picture on the screen of two of our pastors. Uh, Pastor Mike and Sharon Omer, uh, they have been here 32 years this past week. And come on, give them a big hand. 32 years. And I want to encourage you when you see them, just thank them for their faithful service these many, many more, many years together. Well, let's see where we're going. Last week we started this series, and uh, I certainly want to welcome you here tonight. If you're watching online, I want to welcome you as well and just encourage you to put the distractions aside and let's get into God's Word together. Um, last week, we, we started a New Year's series called Reset. And it's kind of like this reset button. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, every once in a while, I've got a, um, a dish network and every once in a while, it gets confused. Every once in a while it just spins, or every once in a while it won't record, or who knows what's going on, all that technology that's happening. But there's this little red button, and if I mash that red button, something magical happens on the inside, and before you know it, voila, I got TV again. Well, how many know there can and should be a spiritual reset button in our lives? You know, we get caught up with so many things in life. We're busy with the holidays. Maybe you got sick. Uh, you know, elections, I mean, just a zillion things that can distract us from that which is most important. And this is a great, great time of the year as we start the new year to hit that spiritual reset button. And it's simply, when I'm using these terms, I'm simply meaning is that I live my life according to the priorities of God and the Bible. And uh, that's what we're talking about. Now, last week, if you were here, we talked about a key core value 
that we as followers of Jesus Christ live by. And that this core value is this, knowing and applying the Bible to everyday life. Let me say it again, knowing and applying the Bible to everyday life. I cannot think of a better way to start 2021 than to every day take some time to read your Bible. Uh, we've got a Bible app. I don't know if they've got the picture, but uh, you can take a peek at it. Uh, we've got a Bible app. You can download it, and then you can see on the uh, about halfway down in the left corner, it says Bible Guide. And uh, this morning, we read in the book of Proverbs. We read in the book of Revelation. It keeps me disciplined in my reading of the Bible. If you find you can't read two chapters, just read one. Just read the New Testament. But I promise you this. I've been a Christian since 1976. That's a long time. I have never wandered away from God. I've never turned my back on Jesus. I've not always been going like that. I've had some rocky roads in my life, but I've always stayed with God. I've always stayed with my wife, and uh, I have done my best to be a man of integrity and to live the life and not just talk about the life. And if you were to say, well, why did all that happen to you, Pastor? Are you just lucky? I'd say, no, I took time every day of my life to read the Bible. I view it as God's Word and uh, if God has spoken to us, let me know we want to embrace it in our lives. Well, that's what we talked about last week. And uh, uh, today, I want to continue from last week. And I want to elaborate on a key point that I made. And it had to do with the idea of perspective for life on earth and eternity. It's the word perspective. But what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about what the Bible calls our mission as Christians. That is what Jesus has called us to do. And I'm going to just say it this way. We're called to serve the Lord and reach people for Jesus. I'll say it this way as well. We're called to follow Jesus and reach people for him. It's kind of like the big reason that we're here on earth. And I'm going to develop this theme. I've entitled this Reset Mission. And I want you to think, uh, you can just call it a personal spiritual mission statement if you want to, but an expectation from God about what God wants me doing with my life. If this word mission is a deliberate word that I've chosen, the word mission by definition simply means a responsibility that one is called upon to undertake. I want you to leave that on the screen just a second. A mission is a responsibility that I'm called upon to undertake. Well, who do you think called us to our mission? Jesus did. Jesus is the one that called us to this mission, and he's given us this responsibility. Now, I want to explore this together. Again, we're talking about a, a mission, but I, my presentation will be a little different today. Uh, rather than just you know having uh, some sequential points that each build on each other, I want to look at a lot of scriptures, and each one of those scriptures are going to build into this theme, and this theme that God has a mission for my life as I go into 2021, and I want to be very deliberate about fulfilling that mission. And as we look at just a lot of scriptures, you're going to see all of them build towards this. That is that in addition to... You know, planting my garden and, you know, going turkey hunting and, and uh, taking care of my yard and my mortgage and working and all those things that we do in life. There's something bigger that should define us. And that's what I want to hopefully be able to compel you towards this evening. Now, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, as we mentioned last week, earth is not our home. 
Right now my address happens to be Timberlake Drive. There was a time I lived on Edgewood. Well, maybe I, I don't know if I should give the rest of it or yet. What do you think? Maybe they'll drop off chocolate pies if I tell them what house number. <laughs> you think something maybe? All right, well, maybe not. They may get throw eggs too, so we'll just say Timberlake Drive. But it used to be Edgewood Lane. And then there was a time I think we lived on Woodbridge when we moved to Texarkana. Then there was a time my address was Palestine, Texas. Then there was a time my address was, uh, was uh, Adak, Alaska. My address was San Jose, California. I've been kind of a hopping around on this earth. But here's what I want to tell you. None of these places are my home. I've lived in the home that I live in now longer than anywhere else. But it's a house that I live in because earth is not my home. And I want to re- uh, rehearse this with you. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 13 this great chapter of men and women in fa- of faith. And here's what it said about these men and women. It says they agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Now what's a nomad? A nomad is a wanderer, but not somebody just walking aimlessly. A nomad is someone that's going somewhere, but they don't have roots so deep that they're married to this life. Notice what it says, they're looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. And here's the question I want to ask you today. Are you looking for a heavenly homeland? Most people want to go to heaven, but but, uh, nobody's ready to go today. Unless life is so bad, uh, unless you're so sick and the pain is so great, then we want to get out of here so we can go to heaven. But how many know if life is good on earth, we're not too anxious to leave? Now, the balance that I want to introduce to you today is there's a balance between, I don't know what, you pick it, a nice truck and a nice home and a family and grandkids and vacations and all those things and heaven. But somehow the priorities of heaven have to be greater in our life. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about mission. Um, I, 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 I need to tell you, we've been consumed for over two years now with an election. We have literally been consumed, and it's still not clear what America is going to look like. I need to tell you, as I talk about my mission, uh, I'm concerned because I think somehow we as Christians have gotten distracted from our mission to follow Jesus. I think the election was so polarizing, so important, and in many ways, so many spiritual things that were in there that we just kind of brought that in God together and we lost a sense of my mission being to follow and serve the Lord and reach people for Him. Now, I want to develop this a little bit more. I am concerned about our future. We have two political parties. They are polar opposites and they have different visions for America. And right now it appears the direction that America is going to be headed, it appears that Bible-believing Christians are going to be in the crosshairs. Just what I read, you know, what I hear, the influences that, uh, that I hear that are out there, it appears that if you're going to believe the Bible and follow Jesus, you could be a target in the upcoming America. Uh, it, it grieves me that our, constitutions, uh, our Constitution seems to be ignored and undermined. I'm especially uh, grieved by our media. Uh, now, again, I'm talking about life on earth for a moment. I don't know what to believe anymore in terms of what I'm told from the media. 
you know, we've been uh, overwhelmed by what was supposedly violence and riots at our at our at our capital uh, recently, and uh, I'm sure it's a degree of truth in that. But I have a good friend that went up there, and they told me, Pastor, it is nothing like what you're seeing on television, and it's just like there is an agenda in America to bring us somewhere. Are you with me today? And it's hard to know who to believe. I, I, I got to tell you, I, I, don't, I don't have a lot of confidence in future elections because of what we learned about voting machines and how votes are counted and manipulated. I mean, how can you have a fair election if the process, you don't really know if your guy won or if she won or if she lost because of the mechanism. That, that troubles me. Uh, free speech is under attack in America. Uh, if you happen, and there's a purge going on right now, that if you disagree with the reset towards what the, the world's calling globalism, if you disagree with this reset towards this new direction in America, you're in the crosshairs. Now, listen, I don't want to talk any more about that, but I want to paint a picture out there and say this to you. That could be depressing. It could be depressing and if you found yourself a little bit down and a little bit discouraged and you can't put your finger on it, maybe it's because all this has begun to consume us and we have forgotten that earth is not our home. That we are a stranger. We are a nomad here on this earth. Now listen, clearly political issues are important. We as Christians cannot abandon the public discourse. I believe that Christians have a biblical and a civic responsibility to stand for truth. I'm going to do that as your pastor in my role. But listen, more important than all of the, the political is following Jesus and reaching people for him. Because listen, we're living with eternity in mind. We're not just living for our earthly home. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, think about that in this context. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long. I don't care what happens in America's future. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long. It doesn't matter the size of the government. It doesn't matter uh, uh, the tax rate. It doesn't matter you go down the list. These are small present troubles. They will not last very long. Listen to what Paul said. We don't look at the troubles we can see, but we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. Now, what does that mean? You and I are looking at eternal things. You and I are looking at doing the will of God. You and I are looking at serving Jesus. You and I are looking at following Jesus and reaching people for Him. See, this is what matters to us. Notice again, he says, the things we see now will what? Be soon be gone. Soon. Soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last Forever. And here's the, the, the challenge I want to bring to you because we live in a prosperous nation. I, I'm grateful to live in America. Nowhere else on the earth that I would rather live. But I've got to find a balance between the things of this world and the things of the kingdom of God. I've got to find a balance for my passion, a balance for my money, and it's got to trickle down into everything else that I do. Somehow the mission of my life, which is serving Jesus, following Him, and reaching people for Him, has to be more important than anything else in the world. Now, having said that, if you're going to be successful in this world, if you're going to be successful in your career, if you're going to be successful as a business person, how I many know you can't just give it 30, 40 hours a week and expect everything to be rolling? 
Your passion has to be there. Your education has to be there. Your drive has to be there. But as important as that is, I want to tell you, friends, it's soon going to be gone and it won't mean anything. I want to tell you there has to be something that's more important, and that's the eternal kingdom of God. Come on, somebody give the Lord a good, a good hand. Now, let me, let me read to you what's my, what uh, I think is my most important scripture. And I want to ask this question to you. Am I earthly minded or heavenly minded? Am I earthly minded? And this is not just an either or, but it's the priority. Our challenge is not between the good and the bad. My challenge is between the better and the best. Uh, let me read you a scripture. Acts chapter 1, and here's where I gain this. Uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 6. Jesus has been resurrected. Uh, victory has come. And uh, everything is going great. And the disciples now are wondering, what's going to happen now? And I think this is a profound scripture, this question that they ask. The disciples, again, this is before the ascension of Christ, before he goes to heaven. But it's right before he went to heaven. Uh, so when they had come together, the disciples, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? I'm going to come back to that in a moment. But Jesus said to them, it's almost like uh, Jesus, they threw a rock in the water and it didn't sink. Jesus let it skip along. Uh, Jesus said, well, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. In other words, one day Israel will have a prominent place in the earth. One day there's going to be, I'm going to use this great nation again. But now look at verse 8. Jesus said this, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my what? Say it again. Remember, we're talking about our mission, uh, 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 following Jesus and reaching people for Christ. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, I want to pause on that just a moment, and I want to pause on their question. The disciples hoped that Israel would be restored to the former glory days of David and Solomon. When the nation of Israel, and you may look at our nation. Uh, I, I fear for our, our nation's economic future. I fear for the way we are spending money and devaluing our dollar. Uh, you know, it sounds real cool that there's another $2 trillion stimulus coming, and you might have already got your $600 check in the mail, but guess what? There's coming another, whatever it's going to be, $1,400 check in the mail. Well, I want to tell you what, friends, if you wonder why things cost so much money today, you go to buy a new pickup truck and it costs seventy dollars or $80,000, it's because our government has been systematically devaluing our money and it's worth less and less. So we look back at a time in America's history where there was financial stewardship, where there appeared to be honesty in, in, in both of our political parties, and we may look to that as the glory days and, and, and think, you know, for you it may be Andy and Mayberry, and you say, well, I wish we could go back to those days. Well, that's what they were saying. Could we go back to the days when Israel was one of the greatest nations in the world? And Jesus said, uh, there's something more important. There's something more important than the nation of Israel resuming her former glory. It's for you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. It's for you to, and I'm going to talk about this probably in two weeks. We're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus said there's something that is vital for you to do this mission, and that is that you would be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is that you would embrace the Spirit of God in your life, and your focus would be on on being a witness for Christ and reaching as many people as we can for Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus didn't say that they were bad for wanting to restore the kingdom of Israel, but what he said to them is Jesus said, uh, there's nothing wrong with a better life on earth, but there's something more important. And this is the word that I'm using this evening. It's the word perspective. Because there's something more important than all that we've set our minds to. It's the eternal kingdom of God. Let me give you, uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Let's look at another scripture that ties into this. Jesus offers us more than a better life on earth. He offers us a mission with an eternal purpose. If you've been listening to when I'm talking about the word mission, I'm saying following Jesus or serving the Lord and reaching people for Him. Now, this is where the mission gets pointed. uh, Gets pointed. Matthew chapter four, verse eighteen. Jesus saw two brothers, Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were fishermen. They're throwing a net into the lake because they were fishermen. And then Jesus walked up to them and said, "Come and say it again. Say it loud. Follow me." Come and follow me, and I'll make you fish for people. I'll make you a fisher of men. And Simon and Andrew, in a life-changing decision, left their nets, and what did they do? Followed Jesus. Now, I want to suggest to you that they had found something more important than anything else they had touched. They knew it was still important to provide for their family. They knew it was still important to be able to put food on the table, but something that was more important that radically made them change their lives. And it was this call of Jesus to fish for people. Let's talk about this just a moment. What what does fishing for people mean? And why is it so important? Uh, It's about rescuing people from hell. It's about populating, uh, populating heaven. And what Jesus is doing is he's offering us an opportunity to join him for a purpose in life that has eternal significance that we reach people for the eternal gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know what the exact number of people is that died in Texarkana today, but if you look in the obituary every day, it looks to me that there's anywhere from 10 to 20, maybe even 25 people that died in our area. You know, every one of those people are, have stepped into eternity. Every one of those people are either going to go to heaven or they're going to go to hell. I don't know how many tens of thousands or millions of people that die, die around the world every day, but every one of those people, according to the Bible, are going to spend eternity in either a real place called hell or a real place called heaven. And you and I, friends, are, are, are God's uh, uh, lifeguards. We are people, if you could envision, every person on this earth lives their life in the water, treading water. Now, what you think about it, just a second? You might be, and I'm saying you may be able to tread water for 60 years. You may be able to tread water for 100 years, but you're still treading water. Now, listen, I know when you tread water, you walk on water sometimes, get your duck decoys, and you go hunting a little bit, but I'm telling you, you're still treading water. And there's coming a day... And, and, and most of us don't know that day, but one day our arms are going to get so heavy and they're going to get so tired that we can't tread water anymore. 
And that day we're going underwater and we're either going to face a Christless eternity or an eternity with Christ. And I'm going to tell you, friends, you and I have something to do with that. Why in the world would this church have sent $12,000 to people in southern Mexico that we do not even know? And for most of us, we'll never meet them and you'll never talk to them again. It's because they are rescuing people from an eternal hell. It's because they're in a part of the world that we're not in and they're a part of a culture and they can reach people for Jesus Christ. Listen, Texarkana, uh, the English-speaking people, they are our Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, it's Bowie County, it's Cass County, it's Miller County, it's the adjoining region, it's the United States, but the uttermost parts of the earth are the entire world. And this, friends, is a mission that belongs to every Christian. Jesus, when he closed his gospel in both Mark and in, in Matthew, Jesus said, I want you to go into all the world and take this gospel to all people. Why is that? It's because people are drowning in need of a Savior. Listen to what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 9, the condition. Verse 37, Jesus said to his followers, there's many people to harvest, but there's only a, say it with me, only a few workers to help harvest them. I've got to ask the question, do I just go to church or am I a worker for Jesus? Am I a servant for Jesus? Is my job not only a place to make money, but is it a, is it a platform for me to be able to reach people for Christ? Um, Jesus said, verse 38, pray to the Lord that he'll send forth what? More workers to gather his harvest. You know what? In 2021, I want to be one of those workers. In 2021, I want to do everything I can to reach as many people as I can for the gospel of Christ. In 2021, I've resolved that I'm going to share my faith with people even though I'm intimidated. I'm going to invite people to church. I'm going to give money. I'm going to give away Bibles, money in the globe. I'm going to feed poor kids in Haiti. I'm going to support missionaries. I'm going to do everything in my power to reach as many people as I can for the Lord Jesus Christ. It is my mission. It is not only my mission. It is your mission. It is the mission of this church. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Listen, uh, 1 Corinthians 9 verse 22. Paul said, I've become all things to all people so I could save some of them. In any way possible. It was a desperation that was in his voice. Uh, Paul gave us this great challenge in Romans chapter 10. And I want you to personalize it. Paul said anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? What does that mean? Saved from hell. Finding forgiveness. And saved from an eternity in hell. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord. But listen to what he said. Before people can ask the Lord for help, they must what? They must believe in him. And before they can believe in him, they must hear about him. And for them to hear about the Lord, someone must tell them. Point your finger at your neighbor and say, you're that someone. You're that someone. I'm that someone. You're that someone. We must tell them that's us. Can I tell you, friends, that's why our church exists. Uh, our mission statement is a very simple one. If you know it with me, go ahead and use your fingers here. But our mission statement is to connect people to, come on, use your fingers here, God, friends, number two, ministry, and the world. What does that mean, connecting people to God? That is doing everything in our power to save people, baptize people, help people get filled with the Holy Spirit, help them have a relationship with God and become a mature disciple. 
What does it mean, God, friends, ministry in the world? Well, friends are pretty clear. That is, Christian friends to share the journey with. Ministry is what you're called to do, where you're called to serve the Lord. But connecting people to the world is a global call for world evangelism. It begins here in Texarkana, and it ends up all around the world, and that is what we do. That is why every month, I think I'm correct to say it's over 25 missionaries uh, here and around the world that every month we send money to. Last year, we sent almost $1,800 every day that went somewhere outside the four walls of these church with the gospel message. I'm looking forward to the day when we're going to send a million dollars one year around the world to reach people for Christ. Uh, and, and I'm going to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag here. Um, we have been uh, planning to move into our new facility at uh, the old Gander Mountain since last September. The last date was January 10th. But I really believe now that, the, that the, I, I really believe that the last weekend of February we're going to be in there having service. Uh, now that's given some space. Uh, I've talked to the contractors. Listen, if you just go by the building, those guys are wrapping that thing up. If you hadn't seen the front of it lately, you need to go out and you just need to look out there. But let me tell you what we're going to do. Uh, before we have our first weekend service, we're going to have a Wednesday night just for us. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to have worship and prayer. We're going to dedicate that building to the Lord. We're going to walk all around that building. We're going to anoint things with non-staining oil. And uh, we're going to go around that whole building and we're going to dedicate it to Jesus. But, but let me tell you something else. You know, I have been praying for a long time about how to dedicate the building. And typically, if you talk to people, they say, well, you bring in a, a world-famous speaker, and it's a big celebration, and blah, 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 blah. I don't want to dedicate the building to, to a speaker. I want to dedicate it to our mission. And you know what I'm talking to our senior leadership team about now? I'm saying, let's get $100,000, and over the course of a month, let's give it away to missionaries. Let's give it away to ministries that are reaching people for Christ. Let's make a big financial statement and stand that we want to do everything in our power as a church to reach as many people as we can with the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many can say, Pastor, I believe that's a good thing? Building more churches, helping more poor people, helping people that are on the street, helping people come to Christ around the world. Listen, this is what excites me. Now, let's, let's keep reading here. Uh, Mark chapter 10. It is the choice between better and best. The choice between better and best. Now, this was the parable of the rich ruler. Again, in this message, I'm trying to challenge you to commit to your mission of following Jesus, serving Him, and reaching people. But what I want to tell you in this portion of Scripture is there's competition. And there are just things in the world. There's bad things, but there's also good things that will distract us from our mission. I want to read the story to you. It's called the parable of the rich ruler, and here's how it unfolds. Uh, Mark 10, a, a man came to Jesus, this rich ruler, and asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, how many would agree and say, there's no question more important in the world? What must I do to have eternal life? And, 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 and Jesus said, you know the commandments. Now, I'm not going to read all of them, but what Jesus did is he quoted, I think, five or six of the Ten Commandments. But those commandments that he quoted all dealt with how we treat other people. And then this guy in verse 20 said something that's pretty incredible. He said, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. 
Is there anyone in this room that can say, I've lived the Ten Commandments my whole life? Not me. But here this guy is. He said, I've lived it the whole And Jesus now shifts. Because some of the commandments that Jesus didn't address was his relationship with God. And the first one is what? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no idols. And you know what Jesus asked that young man? Jesus said, there's one thing you haven't done. In other words, you want to go to heaven? Eternity is important to you? There's one thing, though, that you haven't done. And here's what Jesus said. I want you to go and sell all your possessions. Give the money to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. And then come and... Now, Jesus is not asking every one of us to sell everything and go live with Robert Trump, okay? He, 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 he's not asking us to sell our stuff. But what he did is he put his finger on an idol in this one man's life. Uh, at this, verse 22, he went away sad because he had many possessions. Now, are possessions bad? No. You know, the Bible says it's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. He adds no sorrow to it. Uh, to Timothy said, God gives us the things of this world to enjoy. But I want to suggest to you, this man had lost his perspective. He was living the blessed life. He loved God. He was enjoying things of the world. I can even see me in this guy if I'm not careful. He had a beautiful home he lived in. He had a nice truck and he had a camo shotgun. How many know if you got a camo shotgun and if you got a closet full of camo, how many know you got pretty much what you need? And if you had a wife that was willing to clean that game when you brought it home, you would really have everything you need. I'm just teasing on that one. Listen, if you're going to shoot it, you need to clean it yourself and you need to eat it. Okay, anyway, uh, but this man had it all, but he fell into a trap. Now listen to me on this one. The things he had had become more important than following Jesus. See, I don't know what Jesus is going to ask you to do when he says, follow me. But I do know that sometimes the things of this world can cause me to say no. Listen to what 1 John 2 said. He said, don't love this world or the things that it offers you. For when you love the world, you don't have the love of the Father in you. What did he say? He said, this world is fading away. Again, earth is not my home along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. This is the tension. This is the balance that I challenge you with as Americans today. Look at verse 23. Again, the guy walked away and Jesus has left it with his disciples. Now, this is the good news. Jesus said how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything. To follow you. I want to suggest to you he did and he didn't. He still had a wife. Probably still had kids. They had to have a roof over their head. They had to have food to eat. But what does it mean? It means that Peter had put serving the Lord more important than anything else in his life. We've given up everything to follow you. And listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, I assure you that everyone... I believe some scriptures in the Bible are not meant for everyone. But when Jesus says everyone, how many can say he means everyone? Jesus said everyone who's given up, whether it's a house, a family relationship, brother, sister, father, mother, children, property. If he's given it up for my sake and for the good news, verse 30, here's your promise. 
he's going to receive now in this life a return a hundred times. Now, I, th- I don't think this is a literal uh, hundred, but I think it literally means uh, it's a euphemism of saying God's going to bless your socks off. Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property. There's going to be some persecution, but in the world to come, what will you have? Eternal life. And listen, listen, friends, here's where we live. Do, do I have the guts to put Jesus first and foremost above everything? And if I have the guts to do that, he's not going to punish me and make me a pauper. He's not going to make me a beggar standing out on state line with a bucket in my hand and my wife at my side and a barefoot shoes, a barefoot. Are you understand today? But what he's going to do is he's just going to shift my priorities to what matters for eternity. You see, our challenge is not between the good and the bad. Our challenge is between the better and the best. That's what that young man had, that young ruler. He had the better, but he wouldn't take the step for the best. And you'll find the best, friend, when you prioritize your life around your mission about following Jesus and reaching people for him. Let me wrap this up. You see, Peter, back to the rich young ruler, Peter chose the way of the cross. Let me tell you what I mean by that now. The way of the cross led him to a blessed life now, but a better life in eternity. Mark chapter 8, Jesus said these words to us, verse 34. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must... Well, I can tell you right now, I don't want to hear that. You got quiet on me. This is my challenge. I want a Savior, but I'm not so sure I want the Lord, Him to be the Lord of my life. I want to go to heaven when I die, but I'm not so sure that that little throne on my life, that I want Jesus up there. Tell you, neighbor, he's preaching better than we're amening right now. But this is where we live. Jesus said, give up your own way. Take up your cross and do what? What is your cross? It's whatever the Lord calls you to do. Take up your cross and follow me. You know, I know someone, uh, I won't call their name, but I know someone who the Lord put on their heart to build a house for another person. Just build them a house and not charge them a penny. Just do it because the Lord told them to. And uh, you know what? I've watched both of their lives, and both of their lives have grown in blessing. You say, well, pastor, if God were to ask me to do that, I, wouldn't have, I don't have enough money to do that. This person didn't either. But they followed Jesus into a place that God used them to bless one of his choice servants. But in turn, God blessed them even more. I'm preaching way better than you're amening. Jesus said, but if you, if you hang on to your life, in other words, if you say, no, Lord, I, I can't do that. I love this. I love that. If you hang on, you're going to what? Lose it. That's what happened to that rich ruler. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, <laughs> you're going to save it. And then this crazy question. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Come on, give the Lord a good, a good hand on that. Well, look, I'm done. Pastor Mike's going to come and close the service. But let me close with something upbeat here. What if, again, we're talking about America's future in contrast to our mission. What if the political or, cult or cultural forces that are trying to stop our mission of spreading the gospel got real strong? 
What if over the next X number of years, what if there just became outright persecution? What if there just became this demand from Washington or state capitals or wherever and just try to shut down the gospel? Can I tell you what, friends? I'll tell you what would happen. Nothing. Because they can't stop the gospel. There is nothing under the sun that the most powerful person in Washington, D.C., I don't care if it's the president, I don't care if it's the Supreme Court, I don't care if it's the governor, there is no way that they can stop the spread of the gospel. Now, you may be skeptical. Let me read you a scripture here. Here's what happened, Acts chapter 4. Uh, uh, Peter and John involved in a healing miracle. You know the story. Uh, uh, this guy that had never walked jumped up on his feet. He's walking. People are getting saved left and right. And guess what the Jewish leaders do? They command them to stop preaching in Jesus' name. They commanded them to stop. Now, let me read the story. This is going to make you put such a big smile on your face. They called the apostles, Peter and John, back in. Now, these are the same religious leaders that crucified Jesus. They called them back in, and they commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John kind of laughed and said, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling people about everything we've seen and heard. Now listen. They may, not, they may not listen to me or I may not have any influence if I talk what they call political issues. But guess what? When I'm talking the gospel, when I'm talking Jesus, when I'm talking about biblical priorities and subjects from the Bible, I don't care if it's marriage, gender, abortion, you just go down the line. I want to tell you what, friends. God the Holy Spirit can get his hand on that thing, and it's nothing that they can do to stop it. It is absolutely nothing. Listen, the council threatened them further, and then they let them go. Now, here's what happened. This is the coolest thing. What would you do if somebody came up to you with that kind of heavy? Well, I want to tell you what they did, verse 23. This is why it's so important to be a part of a local church family. Peter and John returned to the other believers, and they told them, listen, I, if something like this happens to me, I don't want to just post on Facebook. I don't want to just call into K-Love Radio, and I love K-Love Radio. I want some real-life Holy Ghost people that I can go and get with and do this. Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the priests and elders had said. And they all said, oh, God, what are we going to do? I think we need to move to Australia. Does anybody know what a ticket to Australia? No, that's not what they did. Listen to what they did. They heard the report. They lifted their voices together in prayer to God. In verse 29, they said, Lord, hear their threats and give your servants, say it with me, great boldness in preaching your word. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they got up and they went out and they preached the word of God with boldness. Can I tell you this, friends? You don't have to worry about the future of the gospel. You don't have to worry about the antagonistics trying to stop it. The church in China, listen, has been an underground church until recently. But when they were an underground church being persecuted, they were growing by leaps and bounds. 
Wherever the church, friends, is persecuted, believers get serious for God and growth happens. Listen, do you know Satan is try, has been trying to use people to stop, uh, uh, to stop the spread of the gospel since the book of Acts? You could even say since the beginning of time, Satan has been trying to stop the gospel. Well, I want to tell you today, friend, he cannot. God always wins. Listen, uh, today, three, three billion, that's with a B, people are believers in Jesus Christ. And you and I, friends, listen, we're living more from just comfort and prosperity on this earth. You and I, in 2021, we are living on a mission for God. Listen, we are not the Blues Brothers. How many know we are the Righteous Brothers and Sisters in Christ? And we are on a mission from God. And our mission from God is to follow Jesus, to serve Him, and reach as many people as we can with the key for the kingdom of heaven. We, friends, are on a mission from God that will last for all eternity. Give the Lord a big hand tonight. He is worthy. Worthy. Come on. He is worthy of all our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet with me today? And I'm going to encourage you, friends, that it's not be a hearer of the Word of God, but to be a doer. I will have failed miserably if you go home and said, well, the preacher did a pretty good job tonight. And your life doesn't change. I will have succeeded if you embrace in a fresh way that in 2021, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. In 2021, I'm going to be just like Peter and John. Just like Peter and Andrew when Jesus said, drop those nets and follow me, we'll do something big. Lord, that's what we want to be in this new year. Just you bow your head right now. And I want you to make your own personal commitment to Christ. I cannot make this for you. But I want you to pray with me right now. And say, Lord, I'm tired of fooling around. I'm tired of playing church. And I want you to forgive me if I got, if I lost my perspective over politics in the kingdom. But Lord Jesus, what I want is I want to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. I want to recommit my life to following you. I want the most important thing in my life in 2021 is serving Jesus Christ. And Lord, I want to do everything in my power this year to reach as many people as possible for the gospel. Lord, I'm going to ask you, come and lift your hands to heaven now and say, Lord, I want to ask you to give me boldness to share my faith and not be afraid. I want to ask you, Lord, to help me prioritize my finances around the kingdom of God. I want to ask you to help me do everything I can to help missionaries. Lord, I want to do everything in my power to reach the people that live on my block, that come in my office, and that live in Texarkana, USA. Lord, I want to be your witness, a true follower of Jesus Christ. And this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He's worthy of praise. Amen, amen. What a timely word for right now. I mean, more than ever, God wishes that none should perish and all to come to repentance. And it's our job to be those harvesters that go out there and let them know. And it's not that hard. Just tell them how good God is in your life. Say, well, what's my tip? Well, just tell them something God did in your life that was good. You know, as we close, we're going to have our prayer team up. They'll pray with you about anything. All four exits will be open. You can leave there and drop your offering off. But if you fill out a little card, if you're a guest here, uh, fill out that little card. 
uh, the, with your information on, stop by the foyer. they got a free gift for you. Recognize your visit. But let me ask you one question before you go, the most important question. Some of you may be here this year, and we'll hear this year. And it's, are you 100% sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? That's the most important thing right now. You know, Pastor John talked about uh, the rich young ruler. What does it take for eternal life? Well, you know, we're all going to live eternally somewhere. And because if you'll think about it, whether you really believe in God or not, there's something inside of you that says there's more to this life than what I'm seeing. Because God said he put eternity in your heart. So there's eternity and there's something in there that just says there's more than this. But I'm telling you, there's a God that loves you, that has a plan for your life, but you need to choose him. You really need to do. April 14th, 1984, somebody asked me that question. I didn't know if I'd go to heaven or hell. And I realized that day, man, I need to get God in my life. Not just go to church or, or talk to God when I'm in trouble, but to really let him be Lord of my life. I'm telling you, my life changed. And so if you're here today, not sure if you'd go to heaven, or maybe you've gotten off track, and today you want to get this year off right and let Jesus come into your heart and change it from the inside out, give you a peace that you won't find anywhere else. And start to let that purpose and plan start to unfold in your life. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand long enough that I can see it that we can say a prayer together. So if you're in this room, you need to get things right with God, you need to ask God into your life, just hold up your hand right now. You need to get back right with God, we'll st stop and pray for you. See, way back there, anybody else? Amen, give them a hand clap. Amen, see your hand. That's what it's all about. Please don't leave here. You're not joining the church when you raise your hand. You're saying, God, I give you permission to come into my life and change me. Anybody else need in on that prayer? See your hand. Amen. Amen. Here's how we're going to close. Prayer team, come up right now. If you raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to do something bold and meet me that, by that cross. Jesus said, if you confess me before man, I'll confess you before my Father. If you deny me before man, I'll deny you before my Father. And I think there's a few other people. You know you have a relationship with God, but you've never done anything publicly. I want you to come up too because and join those people that are coming up maybe for the first time and just join me and just publicly step out for Jesus. Amen. And we're so glad you're here. Stop. Come back Wednesday night. I mean, there's powerful service. Get your children involved and your young people. But otherwise, let's go tell somebody about the goodness of God this week. Amen. God bless you.